Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership, we're here today with Brandon Murphy, who's the Senior Vice President and Director of Brand Planning for 22 Squared. And let's talk about Brandon comes to 22 Squared with a diverse background in brand strategy. He has been involved in all levels of planning uh, on the client side as well as on the agency side, business, brand, creative, and connection planning. He's co-founded an agency that consulted with a wide variety of companies in strategic brand development and management. He's worked with some of Procter & Gamble's biggest brands, including planning custom branding programs for Procter & Gamble's largest retail customer, Walmart. And he's developed the Friendship Model, which is a research model that helps brands understand their relationships with customers, their advocacy levels, and provides prescriptive solutions for increasing them. Uh, and so he's been able to apply his findings to many brands and categories, and we're looking forward to chatting with him. Thank you, Brandon, for being here today. Thanks for the introduction. Great. So tell me, first of all, Brandon, what is a brand advocate, and, and what do we mean when we say brand advocate? Uh, good question. Well, typically when we talk about a brand advocate, we're talking about someone who is willing to go out and kind of put their reputation on the line and recommend a brand to others that they know. Um, and, you know, there's different levels of those types of people. There's, there's the people who um, – um, uh, like the brand enough because it's done a good job for it, and they'll recommend the brand based on their kind of functional experience with it. Um, uh, we call those people recommenders. And then there's other people like that we call evangelists, and those people um, feel like the product uh, or the brand particularly plays a very meaningful role in their life, and it's almost like they're they're wearing it. Um, and they are, you know, the people with the uh, the Apple stickles, stickers on the back of their car or the people who swear by a certain kind of product or a certain kind of brand service. Um, and then finally, there's the kind of the, the most intense kind, which is a shareholder. And, Linda, I don't know if you've ever experienced a, a shareholder. Uh, like, it's, they're almost like a salesperson that you wonder if they really work for that company. You know what I mean? So, oh, absolutely. In fact, Apple is a good a, a good example because I see some Apple people that you think were being paid by Apple. Exactly. You think that they worked right under Steve Jobs. Absolutely. So, so the, and we that's kind of the, the way we look at advocates, and you know, on the, the the other end of the scale from an advocacy standpoint, there are also those out there that we call critics, and they're they are the people who are literally offsetting any good that advocates do in the marketplace are the people who, who have a pretty strong voice that might be talking about negative product experiences, negative customer service experiences, or are the worst uh, among them are, the, are the, uh, the, the people who are principally against a brand and, uh, and bring uh, almost like an, an organized kind of um, uh, movement against a brand. Um, I guess an easy brand to think about that is like Comcast, mm-hmm. where you've seen, um, you know, even even a more influential guy, Bob Garfield, in the advertising space, started kind of a, a movement that call, called Comcast Must Die, um, <laughs> because of his rotten experiences and everybody else's rotten experiences as well. 
Yeah, it's kind of. I, I think the cable guys are always a, a uh, easy target for that kind of thing. They are because, and, and, and it's not DMV. because of the way they market themselves as much as the way they're they're set up. They're Absolutely. not set up to serve customers. Exactly. Right. So, what impact can a can a brand advocate have on a brand's business? Um, that you know, we we study that. Um, I work in an agency called Twenty Two Squared now, um, based in uh, Tampa and Atlanta, and um, they we kind of funded a. a a piece of research out of our own pocket called the friendship model. And, and what this does is it looks at how many um, of your customers as a brand, what percent are advocates, and then how much do they influence um, other people's decisions. If you ask anybody, and especially I think in this down economy, but if you ask anybody what influences their purchases the most, and you go from advertising to um, expert and editorial reviews all the way up to word of mouth and online peer reviews. Word of mouth and online peer reviews and personal recommendations are always the highest um, impact on a purchase decision. Um, so advocates have a very, very strong impact um, on your growth because they power most of a brand's growth. So we've done, we've done work where we've um, looked at certain brands in certain categories done revenue analysis on terms of how they've grown or um, over the past three years and we we correlate their advocacy scores against that revenue growth and, uh, and, and the correlation is near perfect every time. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So how, how does an agency like yours help brands build advocacy? Uh, well, we do it um, – um, it's, it's actually pretty simple um, because – and that's one thing that we – kind of try to be for our clients is simple and actionable. And one of the most simple ways to understand how advocates are created are to look at um, brands as people and to realize that good brands are like people. Um, and unfortunately, so are bad brands. <laughs> and um, if you think about um, the idea, we, you know, we, we you talked about, uh, you introduced know, the idea of the friendship model. So you think about um, what a friend is. Um, it's someone you can know and trust. It's a, it's a member of the same group of, or, or, or nation or, 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 or a faction of people. Someone that you're allied with um, through struggles and celebrations and things like that. So you, you think of one of your better friends and you think about the things that make that friendship good. Um, and you think about the things that make you stay friends. And it's those types of things that we look at and that we've went out and tested with brands. Um, we call them actions. And it's those actions that we, that we kind of measure a brand's performance on. So um, if you think about the actions that, that, that kind of contribute to good friendships, you, you think about you know, having good chemistry together. You think about being authentic and acting transparent and honest. You think about being empathetic and being there for each other when you need to and spending the right time together and sharing a worldview and staying in touch and inspiring each other. It's, it's those kinds of actions mm -hmm. that make good people-to-people -people friendships, and it's also those types of actions that make good brand-to-customer relationships. And the better relationship you have with the customer, um, the more advocacy and word of mouth and um, you know, recommendations you'll enjoy as a brand. That, that makes sense. 
But uh, can you tell me, Brandon, what can brands do to increase their number of advocates besides just focusing on taking care of their customers? There must be a couple of concrete things that they can actually do. Well, absolutely. And um, it's funny that you say uh, concrete things they can actually do. The, the, the friendship model is set up to do a couple things. Number one, it's, in, uh, uh, it's set up to um, show brands areas where they could do uh, uh, things that they could do to increase the number of advocates they have out of their customer base. And secondly, it's informative in terms of understanding how you can um, make those advocates as influential and um, as, as uh, active as possible. Now, on the, on the first um, standpoint, we look at those actions that I just kind of rattled off, and we, we seek to understand where the brand is falling short in their relationship compared to some of the other brands in the category that might have better relationships. Um, so our recommendations can, can go from anywhere from, hey, guess what, um, your call center is causing lots of um, havoc with your customers and leaving them completely unsatisfied, all the way to, um, you know what, you're, you're not um, providing the customer with enough information up front to be able to even consider purchasing you. Um, it's ranged from uh, employee training programs all the way to, branded utilities that actually help customers get more informed and stay up to date on the issues that uh, surround the brand and the category and, and uh, that can contribute to um, some, some uh, purchase intent and repurchasing. So there's, there's, there's actually a, a large kind of scale of things that we look at. Um, some of the ones that we, 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 we kind of concentrate on specifically um, are things that um, are more strategic things that help the brand kind of um, be of service with their marketing instead of just talking to people. Um, we kind of look at it like uh, marketing as a service. Right. So um, some of the things are like having a purpose over a positioning. Okay. Right? So if you think of brands that people are totally dedicated to, like Apple or um, think of brands like Dove Soap, what they've been able to do with, a, with, a, with that beauty brand, um, you think about um, Method, a uh, small cleaning brand. Um, those brands have um, kind of purposes and platforms versus just here's how I'm different than everybody else or here's how I'm better than everybody else. Those brands have things that customers can kind of buy into as beliefs of their own. Um, something else that we encourage brands to do are to um, create content that can build, add value to a relationship and be spread by advocates. So um, content that may not be um, uh, directly involved with the purchase process, but content that adds value to their life that they um, would invite from a brand, and also, importantly, content that customers and, and consumers can build on and kind of make their own and uh, virally spread through social media. Um, other things that we recommend are things like um, um, experiences that spark advocacy. And um, when you think about the brand experience, you know, we've, we've been able to um, kind of look at uh, our marketing palette, not just as uh, a persuasion builder, but looking at our marketing palette in a much bigger way in terms of retail experiences or mobile experiences and, and making the experiences as good as it can be because there's nothing, there's nothing that speaks more than that from a customer standpoint. Like we, we do um, advertising for a grocery store called Publix, um, it's a big grocery store here in the in the southeastern five states, Fortune 107, and um, we did a, a, a program um, that helped um, everybody from a 17-year-old 
um, cashier to a 70-year-old person working in the meat department deliver service worthy of talking about. Wow. And it's, it's those types of programs that um, brands don't have to spend a lot of money on, but they mm-hmm. get incredible return from. That's great. That's great. Some other areas we, um, we recommend in terms of building advocacy are um, branded utilities. So um, looking at marketing as something of uh, how do you create tools that are useful to customers? So whether it um, be delivery of information, whether it be enabling people to, um, you know, one of our insights for our public's client um, was that people don't know what they're going to eat um, uh, sometimes until about two hours before dinner. Okay, so I'm not the only one that does that. Yeah, you're not the only one. Okay. <laughs> don't don't feel isolated. Okay. But um, there's really not a lot to you know. You kind of you kind of left your own device. You can go to a recipe site. Yeah. Um, you can think about where you're going to pick carryout up on the way home, which I do more often than I should. Um, but um, so there's a there's a tremendous need for a utility that delivered to you at that time of the day every day something that's either quick or something that's out of value or something that could feed a certain number of people along with a shopping list, um, associated price promotions, and just kind of bring it all to you at one time. Right. Make it easier for you. When you're hungry. Right. Absolutely. Right. So it's those kinds of utilities, and that could be in a form of a widget or an email or, or, or however the customer wants to receive it. But it's those types of uh, iPhone apps are very popular right now. But it's those types of utilities that actually, it's, you know, it's almost like a surrogate for service. Yes. For brands, and it does it goes a long way for um, uh, mobilizing your advocates to talk to one another and spread it around, but also create advocates. Uh-huh. You know, move them up the scale from just somebody who's a buyer who's quiet to someone who's very outspoken for the brand. Great. So how can you increase the, the voice or the, or the strength of the voice of your advocates in the market? Well, uh, um, there's a couple different ways we look at doing that. Um, when we do our research, we actually we, we try our best um, through a couple different ways to measure um, the average influence of an advocate. Um, uh, uh, an example um, that I would use would be um, maybe in tourism where uh, we did a study, and I won't say the destination's names, but we did a study and we found that um, one uh, uh, particular tropical destination had uh, the highest advocacy rate, meaning the number of customers that they have, they had the highest proportion of people willing to go out and talk about the brand. But um, they had the lowest uh, uh, amount of uh, posts and um, write-ups on um, influential blogs and um, TripAdvisor and things that are powering travel decisions today, right? So all of um, the ideas that we thought about for this particular destination centered around, okay, those people are coming home from the destination. How do we equip them to post more photos, to make more posts on TripAdvisor, to do these things. And it ranged from ideas like incentives to um, building um, communities and groups that have been to that destination to utilities that enable them to simply do one post that would post it on multiple websites. So um, it's it's that kind of thing that um, helps, I think, it just, just helps your advocacy along a little bit. Um, another thing that, that, that we do is to um, – create things that uh, customers can build on. Um, we call it um, propagation. 
Okay. Um, so basically what you try to do is you try to look at information you have as a brand and content that you have as a brand, and you um, fill in some gaps with other content and put it out there for consumers to adopt, build on, and pass around. If you watched the Super Bowl this year, you saw uh, a spot by Hyundai that was all about go to this uh, go to this website and right. edit your own commercial. Yep. And so customers go to that site. So many went that it was crashing all night. Wow. Um, and they got to edit their own commercial and post it on their Facebook pages and send it around to friends and um, they got to create something. And all that is is you know advertising and word of mouth on the brand's behalf. Right, but getting people engaged in it so they're actually doing the work themselves, so to speak. Yes, and they've got pride of ownership and authorship, and, um, you know, we'll talk about it more freely that way. That's terrific. So tell me, how how does this approach change the way you work for your clients at 22 Squared? Well, I mean... I've been in advertising uh, long enough to uh, have, have felt the pain of, of changing from a broadcast model to an advocacy model. And what I mean by that is it, it was really easy to, you know, build some advertising print and, and um, ads and radio spots and TV spots to reach a massive amount of people and increase awareness for a brand. But um, since consumers are literally in the driver's seat and – um, you have to be able to tap into them to um, spread the word, and um, so we've, you know, we've been able to change the way we think by looking at actions instead of communications. Okay. So, um, and when you look at actions, and when you look at marketing as a service, and when you look at um, your goal as being able to win more advocates and, and make them. Um, louder in the marketplace, you look at communications completely differently. Um, you do a lot of inside-out branding, which basically what that means is starting with the brand experience and working your way out. Okay. Um, you do a, a lot of um, content building. Um, uh, a lot of our budgets are moving from uh, media to production because we're looking uh, at a lot of earned media vehicles versus just uh, paid media vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so our business is almost almost turned on its head to where, you know, we, we, we used to deal with uh, flow charts of when our TV flights are going to be, and now we're looking at customer paths that include retail experiences and, um, you know, shopping online and um, their social media habits and, um almost anything you could think of in their life that might deal with this particular subject or um, like a certain category. Great. So it's, it's really changed the way that, that advertising and marketing and branding is, is happening today. Yes, and I think a lot of agencies uh, have changed the way they work. Um, you know, we've, we've definitely changed the way we work, and we've actually um, helped our clients change the way they look at marketing. Because there's a lot of, you know, uh, marketing departments within organizations have long been looked at as, you know, an expenditure, um, something where we can go to the marketing department and either have them fix something or make sure that people just know our name and prefer us. And we're changing the way um, our marketing people's, um, our marketing departments are viewed because they are now working with purchasing and merchandising and, um, uh, customer service, 
and all the other departments a little bit more seamlessly because they understand that marketing is all those things now. Right. It's not just communications leading up to the purchase. Right. You're right. It's, it's a full experience, and it's a two-way conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, Brandon. This has been very informative. We've been speaking with Brandon Murphy, who's the Senior Vice President, Director of Brand Planning at 22 Squared. If you'd like to find out more about 22 Squared, the agency blog is blog.22squared.com, or Brandon's personal blog is www.reasons2talk.com, R-E-A-S-O-N-S-T-O-T-A-L-K.com. Thank you, Brandon. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. I was honored to be on. Great. This is Linda Popke from Marketing Thought Leadership, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.